This morning's sermon is built on two characters and two scriptures. The first is Mary, who, having received news that she was with child, went to see Elizabeth and then responds with that beautiful hymn of praise, the the Magnificat, My soul magnifies the Lord. The second character is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the one who is to come, the, the forerunner, whose passages we read, or who, whose passage we read today, as he questions what's going on with this ministry of Jesus. He knew something was up. And so we read from the book of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. We'll read verses 2 through 11, and we'll hear what John the Baptist says. And we'll experience, maybe not how God overwhelms us. Maybe if I could rewrite the, the sermon title today. How God is with us when we're overwhelmed. But first, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. And a story about John. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and and, and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered John's messengers and says, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out and see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look at those who wear soft robes are in royal places, palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and, and he will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has yet arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before we get back to those two scriptures, have a, well, a bit of a confession on behalf of all the preachers. I've heard a few things said about preachers that might be just a little bit helpful for today. The first comes from a story. Back in the day, I don't know when that was, but it was a little bit before my time, whenever that was. There was a, a joke began that, well, you know, a, a Baptist sermon is... is Three points and a poem. And usually your three points could start with P. So three P's and a poem. So this was the the upbringing that many a Baptist preacher had. 
from the seminary. And, and, and one day, a bunch of preachers were together with a man named Fred Craddock, who was a, a, a well-known preacher, a well-respected preaching professor and writer about preaching. And, and so one of the preachers finally, sensing there had been changing times, raised his hand and asked Dr. Craddock, Well, sir, how many points should a sermon have? Fred Craddock responds, at least one. We should, hopefully, at least have one point to help you through your life and through your week. Now, the second critique I've heard, I think, is also fair, probably also very true, It's that every preacher has one sermon. Every preacher has one sermon. Now, some of us could be saying, well, he just says the same thing over and over and over again, or I never listen to what he says, so it might as well be the same thing over and over again. Or maybe the astute listener says, I've been listening to you for a long time, and I hear that you read the scripture and you tell us this thing And no matter what the words are, your point is always kind of the same. And I suppose that is a fair critique. And what is a fair critique for sure is as I have looked back on the last three sermons, God surprises us, God prepares us, and God overwhelms us, or God is there when we are overwhelmed. There is one thread that has worked its way through all three sermons, which is this. During the season of Advent, we read these stories. And the reality of how the stories played out is very different than, than what people imagined the stories would be before then. So they didn't imagine that there was going to be this forerunner who dressed in camel hair and went out to the creek and started baptizing people. But John the Baptist is the one who comes before the Messiah. There's a gap between what we expected might happen and what actually did happen. Or Mary. There's a gap between what she thought her life life was going to be and what it eventually actually was. And for those of us who live, I think, the way we hope for God, live the way we think God wants us to live, we fill in that gap with faith. We fill in that gap with a deep abiding faith in the God who provides for us, the God who loves us, cares for us, and has over and over and over again provided evidence of support and love and care and provision. And my point then today and the last few days has been how can we help faith fill in the gap? Let's look a little bit at how Mary does that and maybe John the Baptist does that as a part of our sermon today. Mary had to have been overwhelmed. If there's anyone in the stories of Advent who has the right to be most overwhelmed, it was most definitely Mary. A a young woman engaged to be married to Joseph, a a good guy, a, a carpenter, They probably figured they would live their life out in Nazareth and it would just be a good, simple life for two good young kids. And then, 
Well, then things change. An angel of the Lord comes and, and tells her what it is that's happening to her. She gets the message that something is coming that is beyond her wildest imagination, that she would be the one who would bear the Messiah. There is no like five-step process in order to help you embrace that news. Yet, she does. She is overwhelmed, I am sure. But upon receiving that news, responds. She receives the news that the angel gives her, that the long-awaited Messiah is coming through her. And, and then she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth uh, in the hill country, a, a well-trusted member of her family. And when they get together, she utters that beautiful song. Utters is probably not the right word. It's, My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul lifts itself up to God, who has looked upon me with favor. Despite the ways she was overwhelmed, despite the ways that things were happening to her that she could never have predicted, that she never intended, in every way, the, the distance between what she expected was going to happen and what was actually happening was growing and growing. She didn't know how things were going to go. She couldn't have predicted that this news would mean that she was going to have to go to Bethlehem, eight and a half, nine months pregnant, on a donkey in order to be counted by Caesar. And yet each step of the way, when she was overwhelmed, she leaned in with trust. When she was over, overwhelmed, she leaned in with love. When she was overwhelmed, she stepped forward in faith, through faith, through the gift of faith. And in that way provides an example for us. Us who hopefully are not as overwhelmed as she is, but nevertheless are often overwhelmed. John the Baptist had to have been overwhelmed too, this, pro- this story is a whole lot more about what Jesus is doing to attribute credibility to John. But John, in prison, word is getting around. Something's going on with this cousin of yours, Jesus. He's, things are happening. John wants confirmation. Confirmation may be the opposite of faith. And so he sends folks because he says, look, you're, you're my cousin and I know you're special, but, but what I'm actually hearing and what we thought we were going to see is a little bit different. And Jesus says, look, John's overwhelmed. He's got a question. Tell him what you're seeing. Tell him what is happening. Tell him that the blind see, that the deaf hear, that the, the lame walk, that the lepers are cleansed, that the poor receive good news. And then, probably while those messengers were still in earshot, he says, you know, you remember the prophecy, someone was going to come before the one who comes. John is the one. 
John is overwhelmed in a good way. John is overwhelmed and the people around Jesus are overwhelmed because, well, because think about the last time you were maybe just a little bit sick, but you were dying for some relief. I'm, I don't have any chronic pain, but man, the last time I had the stomach bug, I was ready for it to go away. And I promised to change my diet in ways that I have not. But the relief from pain, the, the relief from what had to have been blindness and to get sight, the relief, the joy, the overwhelming hope that would have come when you could hear when you couldn't walk, but then you could. What John sees in what Jesus is doing is that there is goodness and that there is blessing and that there is hope and that there is healing and that God is bringing the power of love and forgiveness and joy and hope and healing and wholeness to everyone through this Messiah. And God's power to overwhelm us in good ways, or God's power to be with us when we're overwhelmed in bad ways, is a bit what these passages are about. Because most of us are able-bodied. We got here on our own. We, we sure could use healing, but maybe we don't quite need the healing that happens in the miracles in Scripture But the question we will face, all of us, no matter how big or small the surprise is that hits us, is when we're overwhelmed, what will we do? When we're overwhelmed, how will we allow God to work? When we are overwhelmed, what will we fill in that gap that lies between expectations and reality? And for Mary, the song of praise is a song of abundant praise and thanks to God for the ways that she is used. For John and for those around Jesus in the midst of this ministry, the same happens. They are overwhelmed. But they respond with praise because of what God does through the ministry of Jesus. And so for us, when we are overwhelmed... What do we fill in that gap with? That gap between how things are and how things were going to be that aren't. Do we wait patiently to see how God works in that gap? Or do we just default to old cliches? Reminding us ourselves, assuring ourselves that everything happens for a reason. Or or do do we, as some do... Say, look, if if expectations are different from reality, then I don't want to be a part of a God who can't bring about the reality that I want brought about. That's not what John does. That's not what Mary does. What will we do? We know how quickly life can change for good and for bad. We, We can't predict what is going to happen in our lives. But in both of these passages, we see that people who were subject of uh, the subjects of unpredictable experiences respond in faith. 
It doesn't mean maybe they didn't resist or maybe they didn't challenge or maybe they didn't ask questions. They, if they were smart, they probably did all of those things a little bit. Because all of those things have their place in the faith. But ultimately, in the midst of overwhelming circumstances, they allowed the Spirit of God to, to work, to provide blessing and hope and joy and, and love. And so for us, in the midst of any circumstance, any overwhelming circumstance, might we, like John and Mary, like Elizabeth and, and the disciples, who experienced disconnects between how they thought things were going to go and how they actually went and responded in faith, will we respond that way also? Maybe the next time we're overwhelmed, we can step back, take a breath, pause, and sense maybe how might God be at work even in this. Maybe the fact that we're overwhelmed by something gives us the chance to remember that God is willing, is ready, does want to work in us, for us, through us, and is at a work around us. Because that's what faith is all about. Advent is about a lot of things. It can be about all kinds of things. You can look at Advent, you can look at the days leading up to Jesus through any lens you want. There's countless lenses to look through. I guess that's why preachers, even though we only have one point, have several sermons every year on the same passages, year after year. But for us, I hope that this Advent season is one in which we can sense the power of God at work, even, in, even when, especially when, things aren't how we expected them to be. This Advent season, I hope we can see that like Mary, God's power is at work beyond our expectations. And that we have the opportunity to fill the gaps in our lives with all kinds of things. But I hope that we can fill it with faith in a God who seeks to love us and to, to meet our needs in ways that are beyond what we could imagine. God works through those who are overwhelmed when we look to God in faith. And so my prayer for us today is that we would be the kind of people that would sense and would see ways forward through God's love, even when we're overwhelmed or maybe especially when we're overwhelmed. Will you pray with me today? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. This day you have given us, this day where you have met us, this day where we have been able to worship in a beautiful sanctuary, sing the songs of the faith and have our hearts lifted through the music, through the prayers, through the words that we've read and have our hearts lifted by having been together in faith. Lord, in the days ahead, we will be overwhelmed by all kinds of things. And Lord, we pray that when we are overwhelmed, that you will help us to see the way forward in faith. And that you will help us to open our hearts to the ways you might work in us through faith. And that when we are overwhelmed, it be an opportunity for us to experience your love all the more. That's what we saw Mary do. 
That's what the ministry of John was about. May that be our experience, our life, and our ministry in these days that lie ahead as well. Thank you, Lord, for hearing these prayers we offer, and we certainly offer them in your name, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who we await today. Amen.